This is No Stop Lights with Ken Ard. Thanks for joining us on another edition of No Stop Lights. Want to thank our um, sponsors, Mickey Fins, Marble Pity Electric, Schofields, Carolina Bank, Pepsi of Florence. All of these guys have been unbelievably supportive of of what it is we're trying to do. Uh, I don't know how good we're at it, but we're not very predictable. I don't know if that's a um <laughs> kind of a double <laughs> negative, but um but but these guys jumped on board. Um, understanding and a bit sympathetic to the fact that we had built somewhat of a brand on radio. We're trying to do that with, with podcasting. But once again, Mickey Fins has been unbelievably supportive. We talked a lot about the Jefferson's Ocean and, you know, Voice 24, Voice 37, and whatnot. Marlboro Pity Electric, one of the uh, one of the preeminent ambassadors of economic development in the entire state of South Carolina, Schofields. Um, and Ace Hardware has been with us since day one on our other radio endeavor. I'm um, agreeing to partner with us as we try to build somewhat of an audience here on uh, online and podcast world. Carolina Bank, uh, a local bank committed to economic development and taking care of certain clientele. You know, while banks get bigger, uh, too big to fail, uh, they're, they're not too big to fail, but they are um, greatly enhancing our business community here in our area in Pepsi of Florence, uh, the majority of podcasts I do are influenced heavily by Celsius or Fast Twitch and Gatorade, <laughs> and um, and obviously uh, Diet Pepsi, Life Water. These guys have been unbelievably supportive. None of this is possible. Probably you know good for you if it weren't possible, but none of, none of this would have been possible if not for the efforts and support of these um, of these sponsors. So we certainly do. Uh, appreciate their efforts kind of unusual today we just said we're going to be unpredictable may not be good but we're going to be hard to predict uh we have a interview with shannon bream that'll be a part of this on um, podcast well I, I guess we'll have somewhat of a respite or a, or a halftime and we'll go into um some conversations we had about energy and the fact that as the country tries to transition from one form of energy that being fossil fuel and carbon based to a green clean um, government-subsidized energy source. It, it gets a little bit controversial, uh, and, and I hope you'll enjoy enjoy some of that conversation. But thanks to you for finding us. We would ask that you subscribe to No Stop Lights. Uh, that kind of helps us uh, find our relevancy in, uh, in podcast world, as we did and have, I think, thankfully and gratefully to you uh, and our sponsors on, um, on the radio. So um, uh, without further ado... Here's um here's Shannon Brink. Occasionally, I mean, every day we get guests um, from Fox offered to us. Occasionally, we get these special invitations. Today was one of those days. We have a special invite. Anchor of Fox News Sunday, chief legal correspondent at Fox News, um, has written a book, The Love Stories of the Bible Speak. Shannon Bream is with us this morning. Ms. Bream, good morning. How are you? Ken, I'm great. How are you doing? I am doing well. So as a native South Carolinian who has run for office in the buckle of the Bible belt, I was always careful to not get crossed up with the church crowd, so to speak, in, uh, in, in my world, in my Republican uh, primary world. But but I did grow up at a Southern Baptist church. I am uh, a Christian. I do believe in the in the gospel of Jesus. I do believe in the Old and New Testament. And and when I when I saw the notes that um that Fox provided, it interested me because my mind immediately went to Corinthians and what Paul said about faith, hope, and love. The greatest is love. 
Mm-hmm. It, what motivated you to write a book about the Bible as a love story? You know, I think a lot of people don't realize these stories are tucked in there. Yes, there are stories about romance, but also about deep friendships, about the importance of community, how we're created for that, how God's pursuing us with his unconditional love, and that whole love your neighbor as yourself tricky thing. Um, There are just so many different ways that love is talked about in the Bible. And, you know, because it's shown to us that we are then called to show it to other people. So I thought, gosh, this is all-encompassing. It won't be just the romance. It's all the other parts of love that are so important in our lives, too. You are in the world of political journalism. That is not the most lovey-dovey world there is. Was, <laughs> was this a bit therapeutic for you? Oh, it always is. Whenever I get to write about these Bible stories and dig in, um, like, it sounds like we grew up the same way growing up in church. You hear these stories, you know them. But to really dig in and get to know these people was such an encouragement to me to remind myself, gosh, God's always working in our stories, even when they're really dark and Valley. Um, even when we're flawed and we are messed up, some of these stories are less than ideal, but God worked through all of them. So, yeah, it encouraged me and it reminded me of that whole, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. Washington can be a really divisive place, but we're called to be radically unselfish in the way that we care about and love other people, and um, it's not optional. When I think of the Bible, I think of humanistic, I think of supernatural. The story that comes to my mind, I'd love to get your take on this, is the story of Joseph and Mary. Uh, the virgin birth, mm-hmm. uh, Joseph being a real dude with a real wife, dealing with, with real issues, <laughs> and all of a sudden something very supernatural happens in their world. Were, were, there, were there a story or two that, that, that stood out to you in relation to writing about the Bible as a, as a love story? Yeah, that is a great one, because so often, rightly so, there's so much focus on Mary and what she was called to do and how young she was and how frightening the whole thing must have been. But you're right. We point out that Joseph is a big part of this, too. He had a decision to make, and instead of you know putting her away, as the Bible said, or sort of divorcing or breaking off their relationship, um, because there would be public scorn and a lot of questions— he stayed, and he walked through that with her, and he's now raising this uh, Messiah that's not biologically his son, but he's been given this assignment to protect him and Mary, and there are times they were fleeing for their lives. I mean, it was a real um, implication on whatever you know they had planned as a couple was kind of out the door, and Joseph embraced it, and he protected Mary, he protected Joseph, and he was just very much a servant-hearted kind of husband and father, which I think is a beautiful thing. Um, I, listen, I love the story of Samson and Delilah, too, because I always include the messed up or the flawed stories, just to show that, you know, we can make bad decisions. There are wrong ways to go about, you know, these romantic relationships. But in the end, God still redeemed it because Samson was faithful to come back to him and say, like, ooh, I really messed up my life, but God, be with me in this moment. And God was always there. I am not a journalist. I don't have much of a reputation, so I can ask this question. You have both, and I want to uh, be careful with those. But um, the, the debate on marriage in America has historically been uh, kind of secular versus spiritual. I want to say uh, versus. That's probably an overstatement there. But I've always believed that marriage is defined in a biblical way. Um, we, we're talking about love. Marriage is love between a man and a woman. I, I want to be careful here, but but h- how much of that biblical concept c- c- can you check at the door when you discuss the political events of today that do include you know, a a redefining of marriage. Is that a fair Mm -hmm. question? 
Yeah, listen, I feel like um, there are all kinds of interesting and controversial stories that we cover every single day. And I remember covering uh, at the Supreme Court the legal fight all the way there over same-sex marriage. And so um, I always think that it's fascinating to dig into how things happen, how history unfolds. And I will always remember those really big days and big events. So um, I think all of us come to stories with our own personal viewpoints or opinions. um, But certainly as a news person, when I get there, I'm really covering it as a neutral observer to give you the facts on the ground and what's happening. But I'm always fascinated and feel really privileged that I have kind of this front row seat to history as these things happen. Ms. Breen, the name of the book is The Love Stories of the Bible Speak. Um, is it out yet? When will it be out? How can our listeners find a copy? Yeah, you can find it anywhere you like to get books. If you like to do them online, there's an audio version or, you know, a a digital version, whatever works for you. Um, it is out there and available. You can go to foxnewsbooks.com or any of the Amazon, Barnes and Noble, any of those retailers. Um, it's there for you. We appreciate your time and good luck with the book and congratulations on being the anchor of Fox News Sunday. Thank you, Ken. Thank you very much, Shannon Bream, once again, anchor of Fox News Sunday. They want to make our military, by the year 2030, totally electric. So you know what happens when we get out there in the middle of, you know, Saskatchewan or somewhere. And the, um, so, you know, our enemy hits our power plants. Uh, well, you got no electricity, Sergeant Major. We can't charge them tanks up. Well, y'all crank up them generators. Oh, uh, no. Uh, Ain't got no gas, you know. So, you know, um, these people, as smart as they seem to be, sometimes they may not think everything all the way out, you know. And I just wanted to throw that in there. I just happened to hear about it, see about it the other day, and I don't think a military needs to be totally electric now. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate it. And and I'll go back to the analogy I use a lot, this flight simulator. I mean, this is in pilot school. You don't get in a simulator and – you crash the plane or you don't. And we're making big, big decisions. And, and Jeff is more confident than I am. Now, now, to Jeff's credit, he did ask the delegation, you know, do you understand the complexities of which we're uh, incentivizing? That That's my concern. That because of, uh, shall I say, the zealotry of government, um, uh, I, it's not an abusive nature of government. That's unfair. I mean, I think government's punitive. I think government government abuses the privileges it has to govern over over we the people. I mean that that kind of be a uh, that'd be more of an ideological philosophical alignment that I have because I don't want government messing with me much and and some people are comfortable having government with oversight and and and, and some degree of um, control over. But but when you when you the Biden appointee basically admitted to Josh Hawley, an America First senator, um, that there is concern about the critical mineral supply chain um and then you you kind of juxtapose that 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 sentence with the fact that 96 percent of all lithium ion batteries are produced in asia 60 percent in china 24 percent in korea 10 percent in japan i mean i don't know of another business that 96 percent is produced in um in places other than the country trying to transform or transition its economy from one mode of transportation to another I mean, those are very critical issues. Let me ask you this, Reb. I mean, you're a smart man. If you were serving an elected body and somebody asked you to incentivize the the transitioning of, of, of transportation from one internal combustion engine, uh, fossil fuel-based power, 
to another. Electric uh, vehicles, electric um, cars, electric trucks, electric boats, electric chains, uh, uh, you know, electro car, electro hydro, uh, hydrogen airplanes. I mean, if somebody asked you that, and and you said, okay, that 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 sounds good. I mean, good for the environment. We don't depend on Saudi Arabia as much. Um, you know, uh, the the old way is the old way. The new way could potentially be the new way. But but all of a sudden, Rev, there's one thing I forgot to tell you. As we transition from the internal combustion engine to the electric vehicle. You need to know that 60% of the batteries are made in China. 24% are made in Korea. 10% are made in Japan. Red would probably go, uh, 60 plus 26, that's 86 plus 10, that's 90, 96% of all the <laughs> are batteries we not going made. To be relying on them a little yeah, too I much? Mean, not, not, not 24%, not 40, 96% of all the lithium ion batteries in the world today are made, um, not at Albemarle in, 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 in you know, North Carolina. Okay. But, but rather in China, Korea, and Japan, China in particular, what would bother me? I mean, I'd, I'd have a lot more questions about whether or not I want to be on board with this policy decision. And, and guys, the country has made a policy decision based on climate change. That's my genuine concern, that if you back it all the way up to in the beginning, um, and I figured out about Genesis in respect to Janet, uh, excuse me, Shannon Breen, in the beginning, the country decided that climate change is real. And there must be monumental changes to the way we provide energy for our economy. Now, now I don't buy that, but, but the country has bought that. I mean, the majority of Americans today believe. I mean, the, the, the data shows this. 68 or 9% of Americans believe that man is largely contributing to climate change. I don't believe that. I'm one of the, um, the, the, the 31% that don't believe it. Two-thirds believe it. One-third don't believe it. I'm in the minority here. I'm in the one-third. But, but I, as, as I would ask the questions of the two-third, that, that would be an interesting. The two-third that have already decided the science is settled and we are contributing to climate change and we know how much and we know what to do about not contributing as much over the next hundred years as we have uh, the past hundred years, somebody's got to ask that question about critical mineral supply chain. I mean, and Josh Hawley's the only guy that's I've heard ever asked that question. So here we are, um, Ford and GM being incentivized to convince you the electric car is the better way to go. Um, I expressed earlier, not only did the government incentivize electric vehicles, but now auto manufacturers are using the internal combustion engine side of their business to incentivize the electric vehicle. I hope Jeff is right. I hope that I'm wrong. I mean, I, I mean that with every fiber of my body. I like being right, but I hope I'm wrong on this because I've said over and over and over again that the two mistakes we can't make, and I'm afraid we're making both, is the belief that debt doesn't matter, and it doesn't matter how much we borrow. As long as we're borrowing from ourselves and we have the ability to print our own currency, that doesn't matter. I mean, that's kind of um, I mean, that's a bridge past Keynesian economy. That, that is modern monetary theory. I hope I'm wrong there. So, so when it comes to the transitioning from fossil fuels to green, renewable, clean energy, I hope I'm wrong. I also hope I'm wrong by, by, by proclaiming that I believe one day the federal debt is, is going to be much to our demise. Those are two big issues. I mean, that, that's not, you know... Um, should we pay off $10,000 of people's student debt or not? 
I mean, th- th- there's some ideology in that, that there's some personal responsibility in that, there's some constitutionality in that, but we're going to be okay. I mean, that's not going to ruin the country. That's not going to inhibit us from living a prosperous life if we decide to pay off 10 grand of student debt. I mean, I don't think we should. I think it's a bad decision. I think it's un-American. I think it's against the Constitution. But, but it's not the end of the world. If we get energy wrong, it could be the end of our world as we know it. Not the end of the world. I mean, God calls that. But the end of our world as we know it. And if we get our debt wrong, if I'm right and the debt really matters, and at some point in time the world says thank you but no thank you to the dollar, we live in a fundamentally different America. And if we transition from fossil fuel or a carbon-based economy to, to an electric, clean energy-based economy, and it doesn't work, our lives are fundamentally different. Rev's life is not fundamentally different if we pay student debt off or not. Rev's life is not fundamentally different if we uh, fund to a higher degree than we should the Department of Education. Rev's life is fundamentally different if we get energy wrong. It's fundamentally different if we get debt wrong. And I personally think we're getting both wrong. Guys, when the government makes its mind up that this is the way we're going, I mean, it's hard to beat it. I mean, it really and truly is. And and I started about three months ago, maybe six months ago, reading things as I prepare for the show, and more than one story included the terminology peak EV. I found that kind of interesting. What do you mean peak EV? There's a there's a story um, out there. I mean, it's kind of interesting. It's um it's the Verge. I mean, I think it's a um uh, it's got a real provocative headline. The end is near for gas powered cars, and and they go into detail. And we talked a little bit about this when it happened. The EPA um, announced this new tailpipe emission standard that is basically designed to force the auto industry to phase out the sale of gas-powered vehicles. I mean, that's kind of what in, uh, so, so, so yes. I mean, you know, the consumer having a choice is capitalism. I mean, that's the market-based economy. But we become very comfortable with the government deciding in very aggressive ways that instead of yanging, we're yanging. Instead of bobbing, we're weaving. And instead of going this way, we're going, we're going that way. Um, and then you've got this religion, this ESG you know, the, the social governance standard of which people, um, and, but, but, but there's, there's, there's a belief out there amongst real smart people that electric vehicles will fade when the costs become clear. In other words, when the federal government, if they ever decide to stop subsidizing, I mean, they're subsidizing the manufacturing, they're subsidizing the purchasing, I mean, they're, 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 they're giving auto manufacturers great advantages to build electric vehicles. They're creating great obstacles to build internal combustion engines that about two months ago, that law, the EPA passed and it's a tailpipe emission standard. And when you talk to people who understand the, the internal combustion engine, they'll say, wow, I mean, that pretty much makes almost impossible to build. I mean, talk about cafe standards. This would be cafe standards on, on multiple doses and series or, or cycles of steroids. So, so, so the point I'm making is the, the country and the American taxpayer are making enormous investments and assuming that this is going to be a peaceful transition. I'm arguing that it's not going to be anywhere near as easy as we made it sound. And, and I go back to Biden on the debate stage in Pennsylvania when Trump challenged him. And Trump, remember the moment when Trump said, that's a big statement. That's a big statement, Joe. 
And he basically said, you know, we're not going to emit any carbon by the year 2035. To me, once again, guys, this is my show. Uh, well, it's our show, but in my opinion is far more forcefully pronounced than Rev's is. <laughs> but that should have been a disqualifier. I mean, somebody I who agree. wants to be president can't be that irresponsible or ill-informed or just downright dumb. But that, that's, or, or lying what to get well, elected but, but, to, to appease okay. the, the climate cultist. But but the, the climate cultist, that, that's very well said. But the cultists have amassed enormous influence. Sure have. I mean, there, there is no doubt about it. It really goes back to the institution of conservatism, of the Paul Ryan ilk, or imposing your beliefs on on the masses, and the left has done an unbelievable job of imposing your beliefs on the masses. We've blown past gay marriage like it wasn't jack. I mean, now we're talking about should. I mean, we went from a debate about a, a month long, a minute or two we spent debating gay marriage, and now we're about, you know, should a minor child be able to mutilate their genitalia without parental consent? By a licensed medical provider. And there's people that are arguing for that. Forcefully. Half the country. <laughs> I, I mean, if, if you're voting for a Democrat, that's what you're voting for. I mean, I, I said a couple of weeks ago, but I'll stand by this. I don't know how a woman could vote for a Democrat today. I mean, when you look at the scorecard, every Republican in Congress said no to men competing against women in organized sports. Every Democrat in America said yes. So if you're a female, well, forget playing sports or not. I mean, if you're a female and you accept that there is a biological difference between the male and female, on average, the male is bigger, faster, stronger, more athletic. On average, the male is bigger, stronger, faster, and more athletic. So on the average, he's going to win sporting events when competing against females. And the Democrats said, so what? Tough stuff. There is no XY chromosome. That there is no XX chromosome. That there is no, I mean, sex is not a science. Gender's a spectrum, Rev. It's a spectrum. I mean, there, there's no, mm-hmm. and, 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 and the women will vote for Democrats despite the Democrat Party being unanimously in support of that worldview. That's bizarre to me. But once again, it goes back to kind of the central theme of this week's shows. There is a kind of an institutionalization of conservatism, and it's respectful. And it's, you know, kind of obedient to the calls. And, and, and we read the National Review and we read the Weekly Standard and we read Atlas Shrugged and we, we listen to what George Will had to say. And we, we go to the Heritage Foundation occasionally and we'll make a contribution to the Cato Institute. And the left is kicking your ass up one, da- up one side of the field and down the other. And they're imposing their beliefs. They're imposing their values in 08. The liberal voters of California said no to same-sex marriage. In 2015, the Supreme Court said yes. We redefined a word that had been around since the beginning of time, or the beginning of, um, I mean, the Bible talks about the covenant of marriage. Uh, Shannon Bream just talked about the covenant of marriage. And now the left has decided climate change is real. Stop with the debate. And because climate change, we're going to force you to stop driving cars powered by fossil fuel and instead an electric vehicle, and you've got government, high-ranking government officials saying that by the year 2035, we want the entire United States military to be powered by the electric vehicle. No fossil fuel for you. And that's just a bizarre place for our country to be. And once again, I don't like the fact that they're debating paying off student debt. 
but it doesn't fundamentally change my life. If we get the energy transition wrong, if we get the debt wrong, it fundamentally changes our existence and the way we live uh, this pretty cool life we've been allowed to lead. <laughs>